Amen. Well, it is good to be here tonight. We appreciate the opportunity to be invited to be a part of a, your missions conference. I heard uh, uh, Pastor Charles Keene say about 1979, I think it was, that a missions conference is a Baptist church business meeting determining the eternal fate of the world. I've never forgotten that. And uh, so we count it an honor to be a part of this. Pastor Cole, thank you so much uh, for allowing us to come. I want to thank uh, Brother and Sister Vespa for providing us a place to stay. We appreciate that bed and breakfast there. Amen. And uh, thank you all for that. And uh, thank you who prepared the meals today. It was delicious. We appreciate that. And uh, thank you, church, for just making us feel at home and welcome. Uh, we get in a lot of churches, and every now and then you get in the church that uh, I used to work in the slaughterhouse. We big, we had big coolers and freezers and put those hogs in them. And sometimes you walk into church, and that's what it feels like. And it uh, doesn't feel that way here. So we thank the Lord for that. And uh, I thank God for my wife. We've been married now going on 49 years. And I'm glad that uh, she's a wonderful help me to me. And uh, just uh, follow me wherever I went. She's got a lot more faith than I have. And uh, I thank God for her. And we're able to serve the Lord together. Amen. So it's good to be here tonight. I was saved in 1971, November the 7th. Uh, I've been riding a church bus to church as a 15-year-old teenager for about a month. Every service. Been about 12 services in a row. Grew up five miles from an independent fundamental Baptist church. Had no clue in the world what the gospel was. Wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, Thirteen men out of a small church there in, in central Indiana. It was in my neighborhood on a Saturday night out of a church of about 50. And uh, was starting a bus route. And uh, they knocked on my door and uh, invited me and my brother to church. And I turned them down said I wasn't interested because I wasn't interested. Uh, my mother drug me off the other room, begged me to go. Long story short, I did go the next day. First time in my life I heard the gospel. And I went back Sunday night, Wednesday night, they ran the bus every service. So I went and kept going. The longer I went, the more I realized my need uh, for a Savior and my condition as a sinner. And I uh, felt very ashamed of myself and the fact that Jesus died for me and I didn't, didn't want him. And long story short, God convicted my heart, saved my soul on that day. And I've been saved ever since. Amen. And I'm glad I know that I'm saved. My wife was saved as a young girl, about six years old, and uh, thank God for that. I was every pastor's nightmare. I was the bus kid that married the pastor's daughter, and, uh, but uh, the Lord blessed anyway, amen? And God's given us seven children and about 26 grandchildren so far, a couple of great-grandchildren, and we're very, very blessed and gl glad to be able to serve the Lord in any capacity. I did uh, pastor two churches in the state of Tennessee. We lived in Tennessee for 28 years, and uh, we were glad to be able to do that. But uh, God led us into this ministry a little over seven years ago. We served together with Brother Alan Johnson, who's the director now. My father-in-law started this ministry in 1977, and uh, God burdened his heart. We've been involved in the ministry all those years, off and on, in different ways. Uh, but uh, we, we're doing this full-time now. We're on the road presenting the ministry. We'll tell you more about that tomorrow night. But... Uh, I'm just glad to be able to serve the Lord in any capacity, amen, and uh, thank God. Let's go to Mark chapter 6 tonight, Mark chapter 6, and uh, we'll look here tonight. Uh, some verses here, trust that God will use this to speak to your heart. The Lord has used it to speak to mine, 
and uh, trust that he'll he'll be honored and glorified and all said and done done tonight. If you will, if you can and would like to stand, and we'll read a few verses beginning in chapter 6 and verse 30. The Bible said there in verse 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure, so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and then to the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, again tonight for this opportunity to be in your house with your people. And God, we're so thankful for the word of God you've given us. Dear Lord, we thank you most of all for our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that you've given us. Freely, we praise your name for that. Lord, now these next few moments, we need to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, please help me, Lord, to direct my thoughts and words and spirit by your Holy Spirit. And use me, Lord, to preach your word as you would have me to. And Lord, help us to have ears that are sensitive to the Spirit of God and your word. Do a work that only you can do in our hearts and that Christ will be glorified through it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I love the story of the miracle of the loaves and two fishes. And uh, uh, this is the only miracle outside of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe, that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. We don't have time tonight. If we could, we could go back and read this story in all four of the Gospels and put it together, and you would get a much clearer picture of what Jesus is doing here Uh, with his disciples, but for time's sake tonight, we will not do that, Uh, but we want to focus our attention tonight on this tremendous miracle uh, that Jesus performed, and it was a miracle. It was a supernatural work of God in Jesus feeding this great multitude, and uh, I want us to think tonight about this this setting here, and I don't know if you are like me, but I, I have thought before, if I could live in any time in history, uh, when would I like to live? When would that be? And I uh, used to, when I was a kid, I wanted to live back in the Daniel Boone days, you know, and 
all that good stuff. Well, that didn't happen. I do live in Daniel Boone National Forest, but uh, not uh, living in that time period. But that's, after I got saved and, and grown some in the Lord, I thought, you know what? I would have loved to have lived on the t- in the time when Jesus walked on the earth. To actually be like Peter where we could hear him and handle him. Uh, and, and to see firsthand him and to hear firsthand his words and to see firsthand his miracles being performed. What an exciting time that would have been. And I thought here would have been a great place to be. But I wonder, I, I thought now where would I want to be if in this setting here of Jesus feeding this multitude? Would I want to be one of the crowd that is being fed? That wouldn't be a bad idea. I like to eat. But how much greater it would have been to be a part of those men that stood there and watched Jesus, heard him bless that, those loaves and those fishes, and literally break them, and only God could do this, multiply that small little amount that was given to him, and see that multiplied before their very eyes and be allowed to hand in hand serve with Jesus Christ. You ever think about that? What a tremendous opportunity these men were given. What a tremendous opportunity. This meeting is about opportunity. You and I are giving the opportunity to work hand in hand with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the will of God for all men to be saved. Amen. And the Lord invites us and gives us the opportunity to see the miracle of salvation take place in the hearts of sinners. He does the work, but he gives us an opportunity to get in on it. Amen. And I want us to look here tonight at this matter and just four simple thoughts tonight and you'll have the message that that, uh, God has spoken to my heart about through this passage of Scripture and trust that God will speak to your heart tonight. Uh, But I want us to notice first of all, let me give you these four points and then we'll go back and look at them just for a minute. We're going to look at the Lord's compassion in this passage of Scripture. It's very clear to see the Lord's compassion. And then we're going to look uh, here at the, the disciples' concern. Then we're going to see the Lord's commandments and then the disciples' cooperation. Just that simple tonight. And trust that God will use it to speak to your heart. How many of you truly want to serve the Lord? Think about that. Ask yourself that question. Do I really want to serve the Lord? Do I really want to serve with the Lord. You, if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to serve with him. Amen. And think about that tonight. Now look here, first of all, we said we're going to look at the Lord's compassion. We see here in this setting, the disciples have been out. Jesus sent them out in verse 7 of the same chapter to preach the gospel of the kingdom. They have power to work miracles and all those different things. They've been out doing that and teaching. Now they've come back together to give their missionary reports. The Bible said they've gathered themselves together. Jesus says, come yourselves apart a while and rest a while. So the Lord invites him to come and rest. And I'm glad, thank God, for the Lord's compassion uh, toward his own servants. Amen. I'm glad the Lord cares about those who are serving him. He recognizes our needs. He recognizes our problems. He recognizes our battles. He recognizes when we're fatigued and tired. 
when we're scared, when we're lonely, when we're discouraged. I'm glad we have a Savior tonight that has compassion on those who are serving Him. But notice what else the Bible says here in verse uh, 33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew Him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto Him. And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them. I read a definition, one of the definitions of compassion was a mixture of love and pity or love and a burden, a love for someone and yet feeling sorry for them or or having a burden for them. And that's what Jesus had many times, several times in the scriptures, in the gospels, the Bible links the word compassion with the Lord Jesus Christ at least a dozen times. Jesus had compassion on this person, and Jesus had compassion on that person. Every time you see Jesus having compassion, even when he told a parable or told a story with the word compassion in it, there was a movement that followed the compassion. Jesus had a compassion that moved within him, that moved outside of him to do something about the need. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, the Lord Jesus had compassion on me. When I was lost. We love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. The, the verse that really convicted my heart as a teenager when I was lost was, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you, that made me so ashamed. And I'm glad that shame brought guilt, and I'm glad the guilt brought conviction, and conviction brought conversion. Amen? But I'm glad, thank God, for the compassion of Christ on my soul. But you know what? His compassion didn't end when I got saved. His compassion goes on and on, and Jesus Christ has enough compassion to save the entire world. Amen? Jesus has compassion on all men, in all places, at all times, no matter who they are, what they are, where they live, The Lord Jesus Christ has compassion, and God has compassion on them. That's why he sent his son. And it doesn't matter who we are, what we are, or what we've done, or where we're at, or what we're doing. If we're willing to accept the love of God through Jesus Christ our Savior, thank God we can be saved and be forgiven of all of our sin. So I'm glad for the Lord's compassion. He didn't just have compassion on their physical needs. You know, it's easy to go to a foreign place, especially a third world country. And see the way people live. And you see the poverty they are in. We just got back from Mexico. And we saw some things there. Uh, and it just caused your heart to go out toward them. But my friend, I remember the first time I ever took a trip, a missions trip. I was, I think I was 19 years old. I went with First Baptist Church in Milford, Ohio. I lived in Indiana. They were going. Uh, Brother Carlos Demers kept after me to go on a missions trip with him to Mexico. And uh, I was able to go. And I remember Brother Carlos on that bus as we're driving. We're driving three days on a 1956 diesel bus to Monterey, Mexico. That's faith, brother, I'm telling you. But I remember we're driving through this big city in Mexico, and Brother Carlos Demers standing there, if you ever knew him, uh, Brother Carlos had a heart for souls. I'm telling you, man, had a fervency for souls. And he's standing there with tears just rolling down his cheeks, said, Brother Gary, he said, you see all those buildings and houses out there? He said, there's people out there that are lost and going to go to hell if somebody don't tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And just wept and wept. And he said, you know, we're going to go down here and you're going to see people living different than you do. 
They're going to be poor and they're going to be in bad situations. He said, you need to ask God to help you to have more than just a compassion for their outward circumstances. You need to ask God to give you a compassion for their soul. I never have forgotten that. And I'll be the first to admit to you, I'm moved a whole lot more about starving children sometimes than I am about the lost, dying souls of men. But I'm glad the Lord's not. I'm glad he still has compassion tonight. Thank God, aren't you? Thank God for that. So we have the Lord's compassion here in this passage, but then I want you to notice something else. I want you to see here, said he had compassion on them as sheep not having a shepherd. So that shows you he had a compassion for their spiritual needs. But let us go on here. The Bible said, and when the day was now far spent, in verse 35, and his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now, I've read this before, and years ago I read that, and I thought, boy, how cold and how callous these disciples were. They come to Jesus and say, send this crowd away. Listen, Jesus, you told us to come aside and rest a while. We've not got to rest. Uh, we, you told, we've not even eaten ourselves. And I thought, boy, they were cold and callous. But then I looked a little closer, and I don't think that was it. I think they had a concern. I think they saw the needs of these people. They've been following Jesus and following Jesus. And now the day, the Bible said the day uh, is far Spent, they're in, they're in a barren place, they're in a, uh, they're in a, the, the hour is late and the, the people are empty and they say, look, Lord, uh, these people have a need here. You need to send them away so their needs can be met. So I wonder if the disciples did not have a legitimate concern. Then I ask myself this question. Is there a difference in having a concern and having compassion. That's something to think about. We're in a missions conference this week. Now, the disciples were able to talk about the problem. They talked about it, no doubt. They probably talked about it amongst themselves. They talked about it to Jesus himself. They talked to him about it. No doubt they saw the largeness of the crowd and the greatness of the need and the bareness of the place and the emptiness of the people and the lateness of the day. And they talked about all these external conditions and how they're, how this is bad. These people need to be taken care of. Uh, send them away so they can get help. And so they're able to talk about it. But that's as far as it went. And I thought, you know, it's a sad thing. It's a terrible thing if we can sit through a missions conference and be cold and callous and not care at all. But I really doubt if that's the condition here tonight. But what about if we can hear the need and we can see the problem and understand the vastness of the, of the situation and the desperate need of the people and we can be concerned but not moved. The difference in concern and compassion is compassion has to move. Compassion has to move. Amen? And it would be a horrible thing to go through this week in this missions conference and hear all the needs of the different places and the, and the different fields and, and, the, and, the, and the great need for the gospel and hear all of that, talk about it and think about it and, and yet leave here just concerned. Come on. 
Amen? We need to be careful of that. need to be careful. So we see the Lord's compassion here. We see the disciples' concern. And let me just say this. Uh, I'm glad they had a concern. But listen, the Lord wants to take us further than just knowing the need. He wants us to be involved with him in meeting the need. Amen. Notice, if you will, number three in verse 37. When they said in verse 36, send them away and that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Now Jesus said, he answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. I can just hear Peter elbowing John. You know, John's always one closest to Jesus. John, did he just say what I think he said? And I'm sure John said, yes. He said, give ye them to eat. That was not a divine suggestion. That was just not a point of conversation. It was a direct command. Was it not? It's a direct command. The Lord looked at his disciples. He said, you've brought me your concern. Now I'm giving you a command. Give ye them to eat. Now I can hear Thomas pipe up and say, but that is impossible. Doubting Thomas. And I'm sure the others chimed in and said, Amen, Thomas. You see, the Bible says here there were about 5,000 men that day, but Matthew tells us there were 5,000 men besides the women and the children. 5,000 would have been a big enough order. But there's easily could have been 20,000 people there, maybe more. But you know what? The Lord, he's the bread of life. He's already proven he could feed the children of Israel in the wilderness with manna from heaven. Amen. But now that's the point. I want us to keep that in mind. Jesus could have handled this whole situation all by himself. He didn't need a bunch of doubting Thomases and complaining Peters. Amen. But he chose to get them involved. That's amazing to me. The Lord could have rained manna down on that whole crowd just like that. Isn't that the God we serve? You know, the Lord does not have to use us. Remember, he spoke the world into existence. But he chooses to use us. Isn't that amazing? That's enough right there for us to fall down on our faces and glorify God that he would be willing to let us partner with him in doing that, which is impossible. Making the impossible possible. That's the title of this message tonight. Is God able to make the impossible possible? But do we have the kind of Savior tonight that would command you and I to do the impossible. That's what he did with these disciples. He commanded them. And by the way, he commanded us 
to do the impossible. When he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that is humanly impossible on our behalf. I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care how many people you got. This, we're headed for 8 billion people on the planet. Now, what the brother said this morning is true. If everyone did what he said, we could reach him, but everyone's not doing that. But God is a God of the impossible. Amen? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we're able to ask or think. And I want us to see that tonight. And I want you to realize tonight that the Lord's commandment uh, was for them to do the impossible. He said, give you the envy. And he's, he's, he, we've got the same thing on our plate tonight. I believe the Lord wants us to reach our, gener- our generation of people, the world in our generation. But it's an impossible job outside of the Lord. But they were allowed to get in on it, and God did the job. What I'd like to know is how they got in on it. Because I'll be honest with you, before I leave this world, I want to I see God making the impossible possible and me be right in the middle of it. Just like I would have loved to have been there passing out the bread and the fish. I want to be in on the Lord Jesus Christ performing the impossible and making it possible and me get to be a part of it. How about you? Now notice if you will. The Bible says here in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Now, these were Baptists. you got to remember. I mean, at least that's my opinion. They were Baptists because the first thing that brought, was brought up when dealing with the impossible, the subject of money came up. We cannot do this. We don't have the money, the finances. Amen? Isn't that what Baptists do? That's what I do. Amen? Now, let me ask you this. They said, can, can 200 penny worth of bread, will that take care of it? We know that won't take care of it. Uh, did the Lord know how much money they had? Yeah, he knew. They didn't need to tell him. He knew how much they had. Now, here's the deep question. Did he know how much money they didn't have? And yet he commanded them to feed them. So, we don't call it finance missions conference. Finance promise conference. We call it faith promise conference. Amen? Notice if you will. And let me give them credit for this. At least when the Lord commanded them, they did respond. I mean, it didn't just go in one ear and out the other. Amen? It's a sad day when we can hear the commands of the Lord, the voice of the Lord about anything, and it just goes in one ear and out the other. That's not good. So at least they may have come up with the wrong response, but at least they responded. And so they brought up the subject of money. And then I want you to notice, he saith unto them, verse 38, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. So now it's a matter of materials. And they said, uh, when they knew, they said five and two fishes. And one of the other accounts, uh, one of the disciples said, "What what are they among so many? Not only do we not have enough money, we don't have enough material. Amen. Sounds like a Baptist business meeting to me. Isn't that true? And by the, by the way, this church doesn't have enough money or enough material. We ship material. We ship the word of God around the world. We don't have enough to meet the need. 
but the Lord told us to do it anyway. Amen. And then if you want to think about it, uh, the, the, the subject of manpower came up. Verse 39, he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Now, what's he doing that for? Because he's getting ready to do something. He doesn't want a great big mob of people coming up all of a sudden. He wants some order about this thing. And he wants it. Listen, ladies, if, if the preacher said today, the whole church is coming to your house and eating lunch. Number one, you say, we don't have the money to feed that many people. Number two, we don't have the, the food to feed that many people. And number three, it would take me two years to feed everybody. You look out a vast sea of people, 20,000 people, and the Lord says, I want you to feed them. There's no way. The job's too big. The Lord says, set them down in groups of 50, groups of 100. Peter, you think you could handle feeding 50 lunches if you had it? I could probably do that. How about 100 over here, Andrew? Yeah, I could do that. And the the Lord broke it down. In other words, he took care of the manpower problem. Amen. We look at the manpower issue, and if everybody tonight surrendered to go to the mission field and left within the next year, it wouldn't be enough. But the Lord said, go anyway. He said, do it. Now, notice this. So, I see the Lord's commandment, but then this is the last point and where I want to get down to. I do see the, the disciples' cooperation. You know what it's going to take for you and I to see God do the impossible Make the impossible possible through our lives. Our cooperation with God. It's that simple. We just need to cooperate with the Lord. You notice the Lord didn't have to create the bread. He just simply multiplied it. Amen. But you know what? He didn't have the bread originally. He got it from somewhere else. He didn't have to. But he did. Now, notice this. The Bible said in uh, verse 41, And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes. Now, remember, the Lord said, What do you got? He said, Well, all we've got is these five loaves and two fishes. I believe it's in Matthew's account. He said, Bring them. To me. That's not too difficult. To be honest with you, that didn't even take any faith. Does it? It doesn't take any faith. It just takes simple obedience. When he said he commanded them to sit them down in groups of fifties and hundreds, and the disciples started gathering them up. That didn't take any faith. All that took was obedience. Now, this is really profoundly elementary simple. Well, what does God require of us for him to use us? You know, a lot of people think, you know what? When God gives me enough faith, I'll obey him. It doesn't work that way. When we obey him, God gives us the faith. Isn't that right? God gives us the faith as we go along and walk in the light that God has given us. God gives us more light. Amen. Do you remember a man over in the book of Exodus? He's over on the backside of the desert and he sees a bush burning. It's on fire. It's not consumed. And he's curious. 
He goes over and checks that thing out, and God begins to speak to him out of that burning bush. Remember that? And God begins to let Moses know, I, I am going to use you to do something impossible. Amen? We all know what it was. And Moses, being the good Baptist that he was, began to make all these excuses. Why? I can't do this. You got the wrong guy. Amen? Baptist. And in, in what we call down in Kentucky, cornbread and bean language, God finally said to Moses, shut up. Plain speech is easily understood. Amen. Moses, shut up. Then he says, Moses, what do you got in your hand? Moses said, I, I got a rod. And then God tells him what to do with that rod. Didn't take any faith. Just simple obedience. Amen? He told Moses, he said, I want you, I, I'm tired of hearing what you don't have. What do you got? And, of course, you know what happened when Moses did what God told him to do with the rod. He performed a miracle. And then he performed another miracle. Now, that one, I think, took some faith. <laughs> it would have, on my part, take a tail, tail of a snake and pick it up. But I'm, I'm saying this. Here was a simple, simple illustration for us. That God wants us to hear what he has to say and act upon it in obedience. And God went on to use him. And he wanted him to understand, Moses... I already know what you don't have, but I want you to realize what you do have and give it to me. That simple. There was a prophet by the name of Elijah, and God told him, he said, I'm going to use a widow woman to sustain thee. Elijah comes into town, sees this little widow woman with her little boy, and she's gathering sticks. You know the story. And basically, the, long, the short of the long story is, the prophet of God said, I want you to make me a cake first. Give it to me. And in giving it to him, she's giving it to God. And she did. And God performed a miracle. Amen? Now, I, don't, I think if that woman had balked right there and not just simply obeyed God's will at that point in her life and given what she, and it was little, by the way, if she had not given that little, her and her boy probably would have had their last supper and died. But she realized, again, God's calling attention not to what she didn't have, but what tiny little bit she did have and say, give it to me and I'll do the rest. Amen. Amen. There's another prophet. and he, had, he met a widow woman. She's about to lose her boys to the creditors. I said, what you got? And I got a pot. Go grab all the pots you can and do what I tell you. Again, she could have, she could have spent her whole time arguing with the man of God and said, you don't understand. This is all I got. It's not enough. I already know that. She didn't do that. She simply by, by she just simply obeyed what God said and God performed a, a miracle. Now, what the disciples are doing here 
They're doing like we do. When God is wanting to do something in and through and with our lives, supernaturally. And we make all the excuses and all the arguments for why it can't be done. When God says, I just want you to believe that I'm God enough that you just obey me. I know what you have. I know what you don't have. Now, what I want you to do is look at what you have, however little it is, and give it to me. Now, once they gave those five loaves and two fishes to Jesus, he did the rest. He blessed it, and he took that tiny little bit and multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it, I'm telling you, God is a God of multiplication. And we may think whatever, whatever God is allowing me to give to him in obedience to his command to me, what can God do with so little? He's God. And he can do way far beyond anything that we can think or ask. But it begins with just simple obedience. Lord, what would you have me to do when I was about 19 years old 20 years old maybe somewhere in there I was in a missions conference Dunkirk Indiana it's 11 o'clock at night Dr. Don Frazier just finished preaching he preached for two hours they gave an invitation and brother Don was a man that uh, had a heart for souls he as a matter of fact he's the man that God used to stir up the churches in America to start printing the word of God in our time. God used him all over the country to stir up those hearts. But he gave an invitation that night to just give yourself. And I did. I went to the altar and said, Lord, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. been saved for four years. But I, don't, I, don't, I have never just laid myself on the altar and said, Lord, here I am. He said, was that when God called you to preach? No. He did that later. But I have no doubt I would not be standing here in this pulpit tonight attempting to preach the word of God to you if I hadn't made that decision that night on that altar. I wasn't much, but I said, Lord, here you are. Lock, stock, and barrel. Brother Frazier was preaching in our home church in Indiana. He spent two years there, a member of our church. And One Sunday morning, the pastor had him preach, and I'll close with this, and he brought in an offering plate that's about that big around. I'm not exaggerating big old thing. Brother Bob Ford has it now, I've been told. I don't know if you know Brother Bob or not. He works with Milford on the road. But he laid that altar offering plate down on the floor. And I'm thinking, man, this dude's a super missionary. I mean, he's got his act together. And he preached that morning and, he, and when he gave the invitation, he said, this offering plate is not for you to come down here and put money in. He said, this offering plate is for you to come down here and put yourself in. He said, you know, if you get in the offering plate, God's got it all. And he can take what he wants and keep what he wants. Amen. God, he said, God doesn't need your money. He wants you. Amen. And I realize faith promises about money. I understand that. I've pastored. I understand all of that. We did faith promise every year. God blessed you. 
But listen, more than God wants your money, God wants you. God wants you. Now, I want you to ask yourself tonight, have I ever, figuratively, have I ever really put myself in the offering plate? Taking my hands off. Say, Lord, it's not much, but I want to obey your command. I want to present myself a living sacrifice to you. And you said, Lord, here I am. You do whatever you want to with it. That's how missionaries end up going to places around the world. Amen. That's how God uses people in the local church. But there has to be, listen, if we're going to continue reaching the world and seeing God making the impossible possible, we have to have a continual people, continuous people that are willing to get in the offering plate and present themselves. And if you've never done that this week, if you've not done that yet in your life, I want to encourage you before this week's over. Say, I don't have the faith to do that. You don't need faith. Just obey. When my dad said do this or that, I didn't need faith to do it. I just need to realize I'm supposed to obey. And I did, and I'm glad I did. Amen. But listen, God will use you to make the impossible possible if you're willing to cooperate. Amen, Pastor.